Would you take your Bible and turn with me, please, to the Gospels, to Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Luke 17, 11 through 19. I'm reading out of my favorite study Bible version, the New American Standard Version. All of us are familiar with doctors. We're more familiar than we would like to be sometimes. But you know, there are uh, those wonderful doctors of medicine, doctors of jurisprudence. That's a doctoral degree, as in Dr. John Garippa. Doctors of ministry, doctors of academia, doctors with nicknames like Dr. J, Dr. Dre. You don't know who that is, do you? Uh, he does something in the area of the ultimate oxymoron entitled rock rap or rack rap music. There's an interesting thing about a doctor. If he is a medical doctor, he is sworn to help you. Someone heard my oldest daughter, Kristen, when she was about five, refer to me as Dr. Wicker. And she said, but Daddy, you're not the kind of doctor who helps people. Ouch. <laughs> Pastors are supposed to help people. Dr. A.J. Cronin, a well-known English psychiatrist, was hitting a wall dealing with the chronically depressed. And he decided to write a new prescription to try something he'd never done before. He called it his thank you cure. Those who were so depressed each day were to thank someone genuinely and specifically and audibly. He said it revolutionized his practice and their lives. Jesus, the great physician, has a cure for all of us. It is his thank you cure. Let's look at it together. Would you stand as we honor the reading of God's inerrant word. While he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God, except this foreigner. And he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. You may be seated. Jesus, by God's direct design, is passing in that border of Samaria and Galilee. The Jews did not like to go through Samaria. They hated the Samaritans. 
And in God's providence, he led Jesus there to intersect with ten lepers. Someone defined providence as when God chooses to work anonymously. Providence, as the mystics used to say, is God's invisible hand. You are not here by coincidence, but by providence. You are here not by an accident, but by an appointment with the living God. You're not just here because of fate. But in faith, you can experience what God is up to in this meeting, even this very morning. Now, the Lord led him in this place. These ten men were lepers. Leprosy was considered incurable and horribly contagious. As a matter of fact, the Jews out of Leviticus had direct instructions as to how to deal with leprosy. Someone had to be at least 50 feet away from a leprous person. If they got too close, they would literally throw stones at them. So lepers were to cry out if they got close to people, unclean, unclean. It was a horrible existence. They were permanently quarantined from family and friends. Their haunt was the hills. Their community was a leper colony. They were desperately ill and alone. I remember what it was like to be in the ICU. They had a special COVID ICU there in Charlotte. You could not have any visitors, of course. I could only talk to Janet on the phone. And for three weeks, I could not see her or anyone else except those uh, tremendously gowned nurses. As a matter of fact, even the doctors were digital when they saw me. And after I got out of the hospital, I've had this, ho this horrible coughing all year long. Uh, I, we were in a church in Charlotte, and I coughed, and the entire family right in front of us got up and left. I wanted to wear a sign around my head that said, my antibodies can beat up your antibodies. <laughs> I'm seriously, tempted. But here they are, and the law of Moses said, if you are somehow cured, then you have to go to the priest at the temple. He has to declare it so, and then for eight days, you cannot be around anyone. You're quarantined, and then they decide, okay, now you can go back into society. It was that uh, horrible situation in the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, where we had Americans who said, there's a plane waiting for you if you can get through the city to it. And, of course, to try to get through uh, all of that mess with the ISIS warriors, they practically would sign a death warrant by trying to get to the airplane. A priest might say, yes, you're healed, but the, the leper who was known as a leper would probably have been stoned to death long before he could see his family again. And yet, they cried out to Jesus, have mercy, and Jesus said, go, show yourself to the priest. There was no interrogation. There were no 
uh, words of rebuke because they got so close. He just said, go. And as they went on their way, they were healed. Now, I want to share with you what God has done in my life in the area of giving thanks. Thanksgiving and praise are two sides of the same coin of worship with God. The Bible says again and again and again, we are commanded to give thanks. What does that do? How does that work? Why does it make such a difference in our lives? Well, first of all, Jesus' thank you cure involves unearned mercy. They cried out, Jesus, somehow they knew his name. Mercy. But they said, Master, the word for chief commander of a military force. It was the same word that Peter used when Jesus gave that miraculous catch of fish out in the Lake of Galilee. In other words, they were saying, Jesus, we recognize that you are Lord. You are supreme commander. You're in charge of disease and life and death and everything else in between. And they cried for mercy. And the verb tense here indicates that it was a repeated asking, a repeated crying out. The closer they got, the more they pled for mercy. And the verb tense means we need you to heal us now. Mercy now. This was their only shot. They said, I think to themselves, if he doesn't heal us now, there's no more hope ever. Have mercy on us. Mercy is when God does not give us what we deserve in punishment for sin. Grace is when God does give us what we don't deserve. We have on one hand the staying of judgment and forgiveness. On the other hand, grace and help in time of need. And that's what they cried out for. Mercy, forgiveness, because the priest had taught for years that someone who had leprosy was being punished by God. That it was a horrible sin in their lives deserving of this horrible living death of leprosy. John F. Kennedy once said, Forgive your enemies, but don't forget their names. God graciously, graciously will forgive and wipe away our sins. He will send them as far as the east is from the west in the deepest part of the sea, the Bible says. Forever, he will save and forgive and cleanse and keep us. What a wonderful God. It's called loving kindness often in the Old Testament. Now, all of us need that. All of us ought to give thanks to God for that. If God never gave you anything else but the mercy of salvation in Christ, it would be enough. If Jesus never did anything but die on that cross for your sins, it would be enough to thank him for all eternity. Here's God's mathematical formula. One cross plus three nails equals four 
given. Psalm 86, 12 and 13. I will give thanks to you, O God, O Lord, with all my heart, and will glorify your name forever. For your loving kindness toward me is great. But secondly, Jesus' thank you cure, cure involves obedient faith as they were going. Isn't that something? Jesus did not heal them on the spot. But when they obeyed and went, at some point as they were leaving, what a, what a scene this must have been. <laughs> All of a sudden, faces that had become rotted out cavities were restored. Fingers, toes, hands that were rotted stumps were restored. Skin like baby skin. And all of a sudden, they began to see each other. Wait a minute. Hey, Jethro, look at your skin. I can't look. I don't have a mirror. Well, we'll tell you, you have been healed. Hey, you have too. And all of a sudden, these ten guys are, are amazingly witnessing God's mercy in action. Because they went. It is always a principle of faith that we obey without feelings, without seeing, and then God steps in and does his amazing work. Remember when the, the priests were carrying the ark and they came to the Jordan River, Jericho had fallen. And God's command there in Jericho, I mean in Joshua 3, was that the priests carrying the ark were to literally put their feet into the water of a raging flood tide Jordan River. And the moment they did, the, the waters rolled up like a scroll so that the entire nation could walk through. It's, listen to this progress. In Joshua 3.8, God said, stand still. In 3.13, step in. In 317, stand firm. And there, the emphasis in this section is on the soles of their feet. Not their big toe in the water. But once they put that foot in, the miracle occurred. Amazing, isn't it? I think of Jehoshaphat and God telling them with these enemies coming against them, Ammon, Mount Seir, Moab, that they were not to send the army out first, but rather the choir. How would you like to be in the choir? Any volunteers? Sopranos go first. Bases in the rear. Now, well, anyway, so as they go out, they were to sing, and the Scripture is very clear about this in Second Chronicles 20, that as they went, giving thanks to the Lord, saying, His loving kindness is everlasting. As they went, God sent an ambush and thoroughly defeated the enemy. They turned on each other. I prayed for that with Putin. And however God wants to do it, I'm praying God will confound the demons that are driving him and his forces. And that somehow God will show himself strong and mighty.
We ought to pray that. But in our lives, God says, listen, I want you to give thanks. I know you don't feel like it, you don't like it, uh, but I want you to give thanks to me. And you say, but God, now wait a minute. I don't really feel like it. I don't like this situation. I remember God began to really teach me about giving thanks. As the word says in Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, we were newlyweds. I was pastoring a little church, and we were still living on the same salary that I'd gotten a couple years before when I was single. Janet was finishing her master's degree. I had just started my doctoral work in Fort Worth, Texas. And we were really, really, really low on income. As a matter of fact, we didn't have enough money for uh, some medicine that she needed. And so I began to think, how can I get some, a little extra money? And so I sold some Coke bottles. I sold her tennis racket. Not mine now. Still didn't, you know, it's still tight. And I was griping, and I was saying, and I, I said it out loud. Uh, you know, here we are, we're tithing of our income. We're serving the Lord. We're preparing for a lifetime of ministry. And, and God's not even uh, providing enough for us, really, to buy medicine. And however it was, I said it. And then she said what every pastor fears to hear from his wife. Why don't you practice what you preach? I think you said something like that. I don't... Yeah, she's nodding, yes. What do you mean? Well, I, she said, you just talked about giving thanks for all things. So I thought, well, okay. So I went out and I talked to God. And I, I said, Lord, your word says I'm supposed to give thanks for this situation. And Lord, you and I both know I don't mean it. <laughs> and Lord, you, you know that I don't like this, but you said it's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Lord, thank you that we don't have enough money right now. I thank you, God, you put us, and you know, by the time I finished about two or three of those sentences with mixed faith and whining, God began to free me up, and I began to give him praise and true thanksgiving, to step out and stand firm and listen to God. But third, Jesus' thank you and cure involves human interaction. Paul said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you to the Philippians. Where are the nine? You see, only one returned to give thanks to Jesus and glorify God. But if we don't thank people we see, how in the world do we thank, people, uh, thank the God we can't see? We have a nation of whiners, complainers, and the entitled who grumble and do not give thanks. Our nation is like that. You know, you can go to a ball game and you can tell who the losers are. They're the ones whining about the referee and the rules. 
Losers are whiners, and then whiners become losers. And so we become a nation of people who are so entitled, we forget to realize or, or, or to give thanks that God has done something, but even more basic to thank people and to show gratitude to those who have blessed us. We ought to have that interaction with people. No wonder Jesus said, where are they? Where are they? The most basic thing. They're healed. Why didn't they return? They could have only been maybe 50 feet away and still did not come back. Maybe they made, one made the excuse, you know, I'm, I'm a legalist. And I love the law. And Jesus said, go to the temple. Man, I'm going to the temple. I'm going to see that priest. I'm going to follow the letter of the law. Maybe another said, I've been missing my family a long time. I haven't seen one game at my, my son's uh, team at Jerusalem High. I'm going back. I've I got to see my family. Maybe another said, you know, you know, I feel grateful, but it's a private, personal thing. Just between God and me. And he did not return. And another said, you know, uh, that's all good. and that, That's wonderful. You know, healing's wonderful. But we're just moving on. We're headed. We're going to keep moving and plowing toward the future. Forget about the past. Let's just keep moving on. Jesus did not approve of any of those. Where are they? Why did just this Samaritan who does not have the law and the blessing of the prophets and the writings of the Old Testament, this Samaritan who has a murky, misguided religion at best, why is he the only one who has returned? So sad. I believe we need to give thanks to people. And I want to challenge you in that thank you cure. It'll change your life. Not just a rote recital of cliches. Remember Kmart, the old days, when there was a Kmart? The cashiers had uh, next to their machine at the, the checkout the letters T, Y, I gotta get this right, T, Y, F, S, O, K. It stood for thank you for shopping our Kmart. But one young guy got so flustered with the busyness, he just yelled out at the customer in front of him, Tiff Sock! <laughs> Tiff Sock! No, we need to give thanks and affirm not just what they have done, but who they are. That's one thing. I've learned, Janet has taught me this. I've watched how she affirms the person and not just the action. And says, thank you, are so diligent. Thank you for your hard work. You're doing a great job. We need to be affirming of who they are as well as what they have done. But then, even more significantly, Jesus' thank you cure involves genuine worship. They returned glorifying God. That word means heavy duty, industrial strength worship. Honoring God, glorifying God. They 
gave thanks as well as praise. You know, you're a product of either your nature and nurture and culture, or you are a product of God's amazing grace. The creator who comes and literally changes you into a new person. Or you are molded by the humanistic, worldly culture of our day and your DNA. You don't have to be a slave to your nature, nurture, or culture. The Bible says that the most obvious example of those who are unsaved is in Romans chapter 1. What a conviction this is to us. That though they, the, the creation in verse 20, since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. But in this chapter it says three times God gave them over. He gave them over. He turned them loose because of their rebellion and disobedience and unbelief. For even though they knew God, listen to this, they did not honor him as God. That's the same word as in our text. They did not glorify him as God. Get this, or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. What an indictment of so many in our world. They, they see the glory of God, His amazing creation, the complexity of, of cellular design, and yet they do not honor God, they do not seek Him, and they do not give thanks for all the Creator has done for us. They have become futile. They have become empty in their imaginations, and their heart is darkened. If you're a believer, there will be a natural outflowing of gratitude to God. If you are truly a child of God who has received his mercy, there will be a sense where you love him and praise him and glorify him. Right? And give thanks to him. One of the surest signs of an unbeliever is someone without gratitude and without a heart of worship. Praise the Lord. Here's the next very important thing. Not only when we come to genuine worship, we recognize what God has done for us, but we also acknowledge what he can do and will do for us. They saw that God had done a miracle. Christ had done a miracle. Some of us are like J.B. Phillips' old book, Your God is Too Small. I read that as a young Christian and was convicted. Our problems seem so big and our God seems so small. Do not reduce God to the size of your cerebral cortex. We have a great God, an almighty God. And this God can do immeasurably, exceedingly, abundantly more than we ask or think. Ephesians 3.20. Thank him for what he can do and will do. 
And then here's the next point, and this is my last big idea. Jesus' thank you cure involves specific characteristics. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. When the Jews were captive in Babylon, they had to walk through the Ishtar Gate. They had to walk into a city whose very name meant Gate of the Gods. And when they walked in, it was on slabs of, of marble and granite, and on every one of them were these words, the honor of Marduk. The honor of Marduk, the god Marduk. And yet, we as Christians have a gate we enter. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Amen. And the Bible says in Psalm 118, the psalm that God gave me when I was so desperately ill. Verse 17, he brought this to me three times. I will not die but live and tell the works of the Lord. And earlier, when we first moved to Naples in 92, I was walking the beach at Naples K and saw this one verse, and it changed my attitude about everything. Because in Psalm 118, it tells us the gate of righteousness. You want to know what it is? How do you become righteous? Listen to this. Verse 19, Psalm 118. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I shall enter through them. I shall give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. I shall give thanks to you, for you have answered me, God. Verses 8 and 9 is the exact middle of the Bible. But listen to this. This is the gate, giving thanks to God. Now, very quickly, what does that mean? We give thanks to God willingly. It's a choice to turn back to Jesus. It's a choice to return every Sunday and give thanks and praise in worship like this. It's a choice of the will that says, I will not forget your benefits. Remember, David said in the psalm, bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget his benefits. David took command and said, listen, my soul, listen up. You better do it. I'm telling you, bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all his benefits. By the way, the greatest mathematical Knowledge is counting your many blessings. Name them one by one. And then we give thanks, get this, continually. They kept on saying, have mercy on us. And the verb tense for the leper is, when he returned, he kept on thanking. He kept on glorifying Jesus. The Bible says very simply, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert at it with an attitude of thanksgiving, Colossians 3.2. And that word devote means to give constant attention to it. Always be on the lookout for some way to give thanks to God. We give thanks audibly. With a loud voice, he praised the Lord. Now, you can thank him in your heart on paper, but there's something about it that settles it and seals it when out loud you give thanks to him. 
and tell the works of the Lord. We give thanks wholeheartedly. The word says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and will glorify your name forever. Psalm 86, 12. Earlier, in verse 11, David's prayer was, Unite my heart to praise your name. Unite my heart. That's the word echad in Hebrew. It's the idea of pulling together what is fragmented. God, my heart, my devotion, my choices, my love for you tends to be fragmented. I tend to compartmentalize my life. Oh, God, give me a focused, wholehearted devotion to you. And pull together what tends to fly apart. We give thanks joyfully. I think he was hooping and hollering and jumping up and down like they just won the Super Bowl. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Again, in Psalm 118, verse 24. And that word day, this is the day, is not the coolest part of the day in the morning. It's the hottest, most sweltering part of the day. And when you're in the midst of trials, God says, I want you to rejoice. This is the day I've made. This is the day I've allowed for you. Give praise. Janet shared with me just this morning something that wonderful, marvelous Christian Elizabeth Elliot wrote, who had seen her husband die a martyr's death. She wrote that we are to exult in our suffering. And that word exult means to leap for joy. Leap for joy. We thank God humbly. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet. That's why Jesus said, stand up. Humbly. God, whatever I have is from your hand and yours alone. We give thanks sacrificially. Hebrews 13, 15, through him, Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that give thanks to his name. A sacrifice is something that dies and is consumed. And on the altar of your prayer, you say, Lord, I die to my feelings. I choose the cross when it comes to what I want. Lord, thank you. Thank you. It's a sacrifice of praise. And then we thank God specifically. We thank God specifically. You can always thank him for something. You may be a, a, a parent. I'm lo I love seeing younger adults here. And you may be having some issues in the family. And you, you'll say you're the dad. And you're up late at night and walking around. Guess what? You're not in a mood to give thanks. But why don't you say, God, thank you that I have legs to be able to walk around in this house. God, I thank you that the kids are finally asleep. Amen and amen. God, I thank you they have a bed to sleep in. I thank you you gave us food for dinner tonight. And God, I thank you that nobody else is walking around this house. Amen. Well, let me tell you something the Lord showed me. The last three years have been the hardest of my life. The greatest trials we've ever known. And a friend of mine the, just a few days ago said, I, I don't know how you have made it. Because 
you have been through uh, rejection, slander, lies, betrayal of friends, almost died. Literally, I was so close to death and so weak and so out of it and so many twists and turns in my ministry. And even now, he said, what one thing has God used to bless you? And I told him about giving thanks. And I said, every day, I thank God for four things, and I try to do it early in the morning. This is worthy to write down. I thank him for a happy thing, a, a, hap a delightful thing. I feel grateful for that particular thing. Beautiful sunrise, food to eat, a happy thing. Secondly, I thank him for a new thing. His mercies are new every morning. I thank him for something I've never thanked him for before. Listen, he'll show you. Trust me. Third, I thank him for a God thing. Something the Lord has done in the last 24 hours. And lastly, in fulfillment of Ephesians 5.20, I thank him for a hard thing. I don't like it. I'm not grateful for it. But there's a difference between a, a sacrifice of thanksgiving and feeling grateful. God, thank you for this hard thing, specifically. Pastor Jack Hinton was ministering at a leper colony on the island of Tobago at a leper colony. Think about it. They were having a worship service. And a man raised the stumps of a leprosy, rotted off hand. And he raised that hand and he said, can we sing? Count your many blessings. And Jack Hinton said, my life will never be the same. How can he give thanks? And how much more has God done that I need to give him thanks for? Would you bow your head just a moment? Close your eyes. Oh, God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins. We say thanks for your indescribable gift, God. Thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for this sweet church, this godly pastor and staff, these loving friends. Thank you, Lord.